Hello, sovereign beings and those that are aspiring to be more sovereign. I am Amani Ustali and I am an ordained minister, certified transformational breath facilitator, author, and spiritual mentor and teacher. And I'm so happy that you are here. The aim, goal, intention of this podcast is to be Christ-centered, to support us in anchoring in more of Christ into our bodies, into the earth, more of God into our bodies, into the earth. And so every episode is a drop in that bucket, a piece in that puzzle. And I am so, so happy to be able to be a conduit for this work. And I am so, so happy that we are all here right now to receive this. So may miracles fall upon you and may you be blessed. Hello, beautiful sovereign beings. It has been a couple of weeks since I have come on for an interview or for a podcast episode. And so today I'm bringing you a solo episode and it is going to be a quick one because you guys know I'm all about those brief drop-ins that are powerful and that support you and your growth, your understanding and connecting deeper with Christ. And so today's episode is on, <laughs> I know that I'm going to title this, The Condemnation Curse of Christianity. And it could also be titled The Reoccurring Crucifixion of Christianity. And this religion being the foundation of shame and guilt in most children and adults and the misguided teachings that elicit such experiences. So if you've worked with me or you know of my work, a lot of what I do is being able to, being a conduit of God to support people in eliminating shame. And I mean like eliminating it, eradicating it, and also at times like reducing it first but also the miracles of it being gone happens. And um, a lot of times I have found that it's it's due to these, these, um, these implementations or implants of religious-based shame, condemnation, guilt, um, through like religious abuse that most people don't, See it as religious abuse, but it it is it is emotionally abusive, and therefore spiritually abusive, mentally abusive, so on and so forth. So, I felt that it was important to bring this episode to you as I'm, I woke up with it early this morning, and it's something that's been moving through my space in this time off of recording, and so. Again, it's going to be quick and brief. Ask you to open your heart, open your ears, and ask that God allows us to receive in this time and allowing these words to bring healing to the hearts and minds and spirits of those impacted by the energy of condemnation from Christianity, from the church, and um, that they received in their family from following those threads and um, the generations and generations and generations who have repeated these patterns. So there is a distinction of energy between the Bible that are direct experiences of Jesus on earth and those predicting his arrival or those speaking on his behalf or the behalf of God. 
And so again, just to make that clear, the distinction is between the direct speakings of Jesus and teachings of Jesus in the Bible and those speaking on the behalf of Christ or God that are not Christ or God. And men condemn and Christ commands. And so I wanna look at the definition of condemnation and it's the expression of very strong disapproval. The state or experience of finding something not um, of high standard or approval. It, a synonym is criticism, denunciation, damnation, vilification. And the opposite or the antonym is praise. And also another definition is the action of condemning someone to a punishment, the sentencing. And command is to give an authoritative order. And I really like this breakdown of it. The word command, as well as commandment, are used to translate the Hebrew words misva, but does not properly convey the meaning of misva. The word command implies words of force or power and like a general would give to their troop or that Jesus would give to his children. Jesus would give to us here. God would give to us. And so we're gonna look at the book of John first and it's the direct speaking and teaching from Jesus. And it's, we're gonna look at the book of John chapter seven, 14 through 24. And this is Jesus teaching at the festival. And so verse 14, not until halfway through the festival did Jesus go up to the temple courts and begin to teach. The Jews there were amazed and asked, how did this man get such learning without having been taught? Jesus answered, my teaching is not my own. It comes from the one who sent me. Anyone who chooses to do the will of God will find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether I speak on my own. Whoever speaks on their own does so to gain personal glory. But he who seeks the glory of the one who sent him is a man of truth. There is nothing false about him. Has not Moses given you the law? Yet no one of you keeps the law. Why are you trying to kill me? You are demon possessed, the crowd answered. Who is trying to kill you? Jesus said to them, I did one miracle and you were all amazed. Yet because Moses gave you circumcision, though actually it did not come from Moses, but from the patriarchs, you circumcised a boy on the Sabbath. Now if a boy can be circumcised on the Sabbath so that the law of Moses may not be broken, why are you angry with me for healing a man's body on the Sabbath? Stop judging by mere appearances, but instead judge correctly. So just hearing that, allowing that energy to fall over, using your own discernment of what that means for you. And then we're gonna move to Romans and I'm gonna read Romans 1, 18 through 32. And this is Paul speaking to the, the people of Rome.
And this is about God's wrath against sinful humanity. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since, that, since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. But their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and in change exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like a mortal human being and birds and animals and reptiles. Therefore, God gave them over and the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised, amen. Because of this, God gave them over to shameful lusts. Even their women exchanged natural sexual relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, the men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed shameful acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their error. Furthermore, just as they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, so God gave them over to a depraved mind so that they do not, so they do what ought not be done. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They are gossips, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They have no understanding, no fidelity, no love, no mercy. Although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do those very things, but also approve of those who practice them. So just receiving those words, and maybe you'll go back and read it and reading the NIV version of that. Um, so in that, it's so packed. Romans is so packed with um, things that people choose to pick and choose. Paul is talking to the Romans. <laughs> different time, different era. Um, we, the world that we still do have a lot of people who, I mean, like we have child sex traffickers. We have like, that is rampant and an epidemic. And we have people who are purely evil. Evil is real. Um, and we have people who are pure of heart, people who are here to do the work of Christ, people who are here to do good and to be good stewards, if you will. And these people can be in the LGBTQIA plus community. And a lot of people use those verses in, in Romans to speak to um, how homosexuality is a sin, which Jesus never calls um, that a sin. People have called it and placed it as a sin but they take scripture verses from Romans to use that as proof. And so you can kind of see the difference in the energy and like Christ commanding when he spoke clearly in John 
And I mean, like, just the, just speaking the truth, like, this is literally what's happening. And then um, when Paul speaks in Romans and the energy and the condemnation that's there, and also being able to see the distinction between that time period and the people that he was addressing and us now in this time period and, and the generation that's present and the generations that are present. Historically, Christianity has continued the cycle of crucifying one another. And you can see this most depicted within the homosexual community. That's what, that's what, um, that's how it's referred to. I like to call it, AKA the LGBTQIA plus community. Christianity, Christians, um, certain Christians, because there are Christians that are on the same page as me, um, but literally nailing these people to the cross, placing this way of loving, relating, and being in the same class as it's, it's the same class as eliciting sex and drugs, as if it's a crime or war crime against humanity. And I know that um, for me, I've experienced this. I've, I wrote about it in the spiritual magic of a queer POC and um, I'm doing a more expanded, I'm writing a more expanded book now that more will be revealed through. Um, but I most recently had this experience of where literally I was um, in the process of doing my pastoral counseling license through a national Christian association. And through that, I needed to get my Christian ministerial license. I have a few that aren't Christian based and I, I want that too. I feel like that's very important. And in my experience and research and reaching out to these um, organizations to get my Christian ministerial license, there was a lot of stuff. One person emailed me back and was like, yeah, we looked at your website and your book and we don't think you're the right fit. And I just emailed them back. Like, I'm so grateful to know that you have a judgmental heart to not um, even take any more steps in the direction of your organization or give any more energy. And then there was another organization that I was super excited about because I thought that I, they had the option to do like an umbrella nonprofit, they had like they would be the main overarching nonprofit, and then you could have a nonprofit underneath them where they support you with all the paperwork, which makes it a lot easier. But you still run and function your nonprofit as yours and its own entity. And as someone who had a nonprofit in 2014, looking at that option seemed very exciting to receive that level of support. And so when I received their paperwork, for the ministerial license and also um, the NPO information. And I, I found out that like you literally had to sign an oath that you, you, like, you do not agree with same-sex union and you will not participate. You sign an oath to be a good clergy to not elicit drugs, elicit sex, or participate in homosexual behavior. And when I saw that, I was like, uh, nope this is not gonna work um and so knowing that these were organizations that my pastoral counseling organization sent me through I just knew that I needed to reach out to them to see if they were of the same mindset and um in so many ways my intuition was right and they were 
And I'll share a little bit about that in the next um, podcast episode that I'm going to record about conditional love versus Christ love. So back to the story of the obsession (laughs) of the crucifixion within Christianity and uh, the condemnation of Christianity. Why such an emphasis on the crucifixion when in the three years Jesus was Jesusing, <laughs> he created miracles. Why are hands not a symbol of, or of the reminder of Christ or a symbol of the vibration of words since he would command the dead to rise, a tomb to symbolize his bringing Lazarus from the dead and then him also rising. People crucify, aka sentenced to death, Christ gives life. People often speak about the suffering of Christ. And yes, Christ speaks over and over on knowing his mission and enduring what he must, but every ounce of suffering he endured was by the hands of the people. It wasn't because of poverty. It wasn't because of racism. It wasn't because of illness. It wasn't because of lack of resources. It was because of fear, doubt, and condemnation, and then eventually being led to crucifixion. I think that. Christians can become and be a bunch of masochists. It's it's the obsession of that one thing that was huge and it was brutal and it was it was um it was an important and vital experience um and what Christ knew that he was here to do and that was coming. Um but it was the the end of that that life cycle um for him here on earth and so before you know the resurrection and so it's just wild to me how so much emphasis is placed on that when there's there's so much more and so i want to actually close this episode speaking on um the sacrifice of christ and reading hebrews 10 and i really think that this speaks to the um the origin story of Adam and Eve and the the whole that the whole thing that we are just nothing but sinners and we sin we sin we sin we're terrible people and all of that stuff and I'll speak more into the goodness of people in my next episode but I really want to close this episode with Hebrews 10 and Christ's sacrifice once and for all The law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming, not the realities themselves. For this reason, it can never, by the same sacrifices repeated endlessly year after year, make perfect. Those who draw near to worship, otherwise would they not have stopped being offered. For the worshipers would have been cleansed once for all and would no longer have felt guilty for their sins. But those sacrifices are an annual reminder of sins. It is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Therefore, when Christ came into the world, he said, sacrifice and offering you do not desire, but a body you you prepared for me. With burnt offerings and sin offerings, you were not pleased. Then I said, here I am. It is written about me in the scroll. I've come to do your will, my God. First, he said, sacrifices and offerings, burnt offerings and sin offerings you do not desire nor were you pleased with them, though they were offered in accordance with the law. Then he said, here I am, I have come to do your will. He set aside the first to establish the second, and by that will we have been made holy 
through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. And so in the old covenant, people would sacrifice bulls, goats, and animals and all of that to lay down their sins. That would be their sacrifice. And then Jesus came like that. That was never what was desired by God. And he came to be the ultimate sacrifice for once and for all. And so thank you for listening to this episode. And again, may it support you in healing and becoming closer with God and being able to go on your own journey and exploration with Christ on what it all means to you and what's real for you. And that's, that's all just, I'm here to be a supportive guide and uh, to support you in connecting deeper. So lots of love to you. And I look forward to sharing this next episode with you on conditional love versus Christ love. What a great episode. So grateful that you joined me today and received this blessing. And I now fully have my website up and running so you can find more ways to dive into the ministry that I have. And it is, you can find me at www.amanirestored, and that's I-M-A-N-I-R-E-S-T-O-R-E-D. Dot com, And then also I have a Podia site, which is Amani Ustawi, Shauna Williams.podia.com. And Amani is I-N-A-N-I-U-S-T-A-W-I, Shauna, S-H-A-U-N-N-A-W-I-L-L-I-A-M-S.podia, P-O-D-I-A.com. I look forward to working with you and supporting you in the many ways that I can through Christ. Be well. <laughs>